Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Cynthia Meineke. Cynthia is a senior account executive with New Era Technologies, who is focused on the customer experience. Cynthia passionately embraces partnering with her clients to deliver an exceptional customer experience with every interaction through high velocity, elegant innovation, with the goal of pushing revenue growth up while driving costs down through improved business process and operational excellence. Welcome to the show, Cindy. I'm so excited to have you on. Oh my gosh, excitement is not the word. I am crawling out of my skin. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, that's great. So let's get started. So Cindy, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Oh, I would be happy to, but I'll warn you ahead of time. It is a long story. And that's okay. Okay, good. And to tell it properly, I have to go like way, way back and there's tie-ins to this so, and it'll make sense later. So um, from the age of 14 to 17, I was in a foster home. And then at age 17 was released without really a strong family support system behind me. So I quit school so I could go to work full time. So did not have a high school degree. And then unfortunately got married young, had a few children, and then it was, I had an epiphany moment at about the age of, I don't know, 24 or something when I had three small children and I was working at Kroger and I knew I wanted more for my kids than I had. And I wanted them to go to college. I wanted them to have awesome careers. I wanted them to just be more than I ever was. And, and I knew I could not do it on a Kroger salary. And that this is 86, 87, 88. And that was right at the beginning of barcodes coming into the grocery world. So ironically, it spurred in me this, this thought that, wow, computers are really the thing of the future. There could be, this could be a great career path. It never occurred to me that it was a man's field or that it was a STEM career that never occurred to me. The only thing that was driving me was the fact that I knew I needed to make a lot more money, set myself up for more success so that I could provide a college education for my kids. So that's how I got into tech because I thought I could make a living at it and put my kids through college. So I went to a trade school because I, I was working, I needed to keep working. I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of doing a four-year degree. So I had to get trained up quick and back to work quick. So I chose a trade school and, uh, and I had some college behind me. I 
was doing some college courses and so forth. And uh, so I did the trade school. My first job out of trade school, I had a certificate in computer technology. My first job was not much more than I was making at Kroger, but I knew it would increase quickly. But I had a trunk full of tools and chips and parts. And as a hardware technician, I drove all over Michigan fixing Unix boxes in the field. So HP, UX, IBM, um, Altos boxes. Uh, I learned Unix before I ever learned DOS. And here I was doing uh, chip level replacement in the field on corporate servers with uh, soldering iron. That was my first, my first gig coming out of uh, that, that, uh, that trade school. But I quickly moved up. I did that for, I stayed at the same company for two years. In that company, it was a small proprietary um, business that did manufacturing software. And it was a great place to cut my teeth because I learned everything from the ground up. I learned operating systems. I learned networking. I had to set up multiplexers. I had to set up firewalls. I eventually learned uh, database admin and database programming. I learned, like I mentioned, Unix and DOS. And um, it was just a great place to be. And then that launched my next career or next uh, job which was at a manufacturing facility where I was the sysadmin. And I stayed there for 16 years and worked up to be the director of IT. And, um, and again, did everything in the business. But that's where I learned the business side of things, that how much great technology could affect positive business outcomes. And that's when I got really passionate about the field that I was in and knowing that with the right technology, you could change a business outcome. And that, that, just, that just really excited me. And so after getting to be the director of IT, um, I thought that I could do more. And I thought that I had all this knowledge and experience and whatever. And I don't know what possessed me to think about this, but I thought that sales would be a better place for me to be because I could be more of a consultant in sales that I had, having been a director, I could sit across the desk from a CIO or a CTO and, and, and talk their language with the business acumen that I had gained and what I had learned about marrying technology to solve business challenges. So that's what prompted me to, to do this quantum leap of a career change into sales. And then spent two years at my first company where I didn't know a thing about what I was doing, but I figured it out and I learned. And um, uh, that was 2006. 2006 was my first sales job. And then I've uh, went to another company, more sales. And now today, I'm at uh, New Era Technology. So it's interesting that I started from a very small proprietary little kind of mon pa sort of shop. And today, uh, at New Era, 3000 employees, global entities, 60 countries we have offices in and um, working with Fortune 500 companies. And uh, so, so my, my uh, career has grown over the years from working in small SMB and not that that's, that's different or bad or whatever, but just um, it, it is really my, my understanding and uh, outreach has grown through my career as well. So uh, that was a long answer. But that's how I ended started in IT, and that's how I ended up where I am today. That is amazing. I just I love your insight. How insightful you were from the beginning, 
Um, so was it the barcodes that at Kroger that said, okay, I want to go into technology or what was that trigger that, that, what was that light bulb moment when you said, okay, technology or computers is where I want to be? You know, it, it was good that I started in hardware because the way my mind works, working on the cash register and seeing those barcodes, I wanted to understand what happens. How does that scanner work? How does it even read that barcode? And where does it get that information? How is that information stored? Um, how does it, what does that barcode mean? So it was, that really was an intriguing mm -hmm. uh, moment that started, that opened that door. That's amazing. You are so insightful. I just love hearing your story because you went from nothing to really growing your mindset, growing your knowledge, uh, getting educated, and then being very, very successful. So great job on that. And like I said, your background is unbelievable. What do you attribute your success to? Uh, you know, that's a that's a big question. And for that, I have to go way, way back on that one as well. Mm -hmm. um, so at the age of four, I suffered an accident where um, I was walking through the woods with my grandma and a, a tree limb, which was a thorn bush actually, kind of whiplashed back and poked me in the eye and oh. caused me to be blind in my left eye. But at the age oh of four, uh, yeah, it's, it sounds worse than it is, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a good thing because it's, it's funny, I've had my whole life to kind of reflect on what I learned through that experience because that put in motion surgeries and doctor appointments and, and you know, this was 60, 55 years ago where um, nobody knew what to do with this. This was quite an injury and it caused a cataract and then internal damage and all that sort of thing. And so some of the surgeries that I went through and my parents couldn't be there and, um, as I remember as a child, never asking why. Mm. And I think that served me well, no matter whatever happens in life, whatever challenges we're faced with, I never asked why, I just figured out how to overcome them. Mm -hmm. So part of the healing process was they put patches on my good eye to try to force me to look through my bad eye, mm -hmm. which was blind. So <laughs> you can imagine what that felt like being for covering up my good eye can't see anything and, and trying to, to cope, right? Try to eat, try mm -hmm. to get dressed, whatever. And um, I think that built in me this resiliency to just overcome and figure it out. And That's um, amazing, amazing. That is there, true resiliency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's one more little story past that too. So Again, it's amazing um, what the adults, I would hear the adults saying around me, like, oh, poor Cindy, she's going to be blind in one eye, and she won't be able to do this, she won't be able to do that. And, and um, I didn't listen to that. And then at the age of eight, now, take this with a grain of salt, because remember, this is 55 years ago, we're in Michigan, it's a hunting family. My dad, instead of you know, getting on the bandwagon with everybody else about, oh, poor Cindy, she can't do this or that or the other. He bought me a gun and he taught me how to shoot it. It was a little 22 rifle and we did target practice in the backyard with tin cans. And think about the profound lesson of that. That profound lesson was don't focus on what you don't have because what you do have is enough and it's all you need. Oh, so again, those 
two profound things that were born from an accident really, I think, formed in me that resiliency, positivity, and persistence, and to look every challenge in the face and figure out how to overcome. Wow. I love that. Don't focus on what you don't have. You have enough. I think right. that's such a great piece of advice to almost everyone because it really builds that gratitude mindset. It builds you to be thankful and grateful for what you have. Absolutely. You're so right about that, Jennifer. That's great. So you've raised six very su successful children, I mean, with very successful careers. What are some of your secrets? First, first tell us what are their uh, what are their careers so that everybody can know how successful they are. And then um, share with us some of your secrets to raising these successful children. Okay, well, of course, I could talk all day about my kids, and I think every mother can. <laughs> <laughs> so I have uh, six, as you mentioned, five girls and one boy. Uh, my oldest daughter is uh, an, a lawyer. She's um, um, her husband is a defense attorney. She does. Um, she's a prosecutor. And um, I am so incredibly proud of her and how she uh, she works in a lot of domestic violence cases. And uh, it's and just she just makes me proud in the way that she defends people who really mm -hmm. can't defend themselves. Mm -hmm. And then my next daughter, uh, she is about to finish her second master's and she's a teacher. And uh, anyone who's a teacher, I bow down to them. They have the hardest job these days. They're entrusted with so much. And um, I, I could not be more proud of, of her and her double master and how she pours herself into her own family and into her career. She has four boys. And uh, she, she's Wonder Woman. I can't hold the candle to her. And then my son is in IT with me. He's also in sales. And I was fortunate enough to have uh, worked with him for 10 years side by side. And actually for a couple of years, I was his boss and his mentor. And uh, so I like to take all the, all the credit for how successful he is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should, you should, you deserve it. No, he's he is a great he's got great charisma. He understands technology. He has a great presence and he has incredible empathy to understand, again, business challenges and how to solve those business challenges. Then my next daughter is a nurse. And um, again, and, and she walked into this COVID mess on purpose because of her heart to serve. And then my next daughter is a, um, an equestrian professional and a, a national equestrian champion. And that's a whole nother story. And then my youngest, my baby, who's gonna be coming home very soon from college, she is an opera singer. She attends a music conservatory in North Carolina and her goal is after this, uh, so she's gonna graduate next year and then do graduate school. She's hoping to land a spot in Germany, which would be a fun place for me to go visit while she's there studying. That would be amazing. And see, I said to you listeners that we have, she has six amazing, very successful kids. So what do you, what are some of your secrets for raising successful children? Well, I, I have to first start by saying I, I still carry a lot of guilt about things I did wrong, things I could have done better, 
And, um, and I've asked every one of my kids to forgive me for the mistakes I've made. And having a relationship with them now as adults is no different than having a relationship with anybody. It takes work, it takes effort, and I, would, and I, and I love them and appreciate them and, and I respect them. And I think, um, so one thing as I was raising them and they were younger and you know what that's like, you know, they can be mm-hmm. bickering and whatever and sibling rivalry, whatever. But one thing I tried to always instill in them was to respect each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I thought that was key. And then um, I always, I always had high standards for them. I pushed myself, and I, I knew that they were all capable of greatness in their way. Whatever I tried to find, what it was that um, made them tick, that what their natural bents were, and try to support those those natural gifts and talents that they were born with. And um, did my best to do that. And, uh, and then just held them to a high standard. Find what you're passionate about, follow that passion, and be great at what you do and be proud of what you do. That's great. And, you know, even before you said the word respect, I wrote it down because I can see how you respect them so much. And I figured that that was one of the, the top things you taught them is to respect other people and respect themselves. And the high standards, you know, comes without saying because you set some really high standards for yourself. And um, I always say, you know, set the bar high. You may come, you may not achieve quite that high, but you at least got a lot higher than where you would would be uh, if you didn't. So it's amazing that setting high standards really, really works. And I love the passion that you put into it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more that um, I actually have a sign on my desk that says, shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you at least land among the stars. I love that. I love that. So I'm so (laughs) impressed with your passion and drive. Where do you get this from? You know, I don't know. I think what I talked about before of that accident at such a young age Mm -hmm. and having to overcome that and learning resiliency through that and not asking why. And it hasn't been until later in life, you know, in, in reading some of the, the great books that come out of the research minds of Harvard and Cambridge and um, Stanford and so forth, of um, learning that there's no, there's no such thing as losing. You're either winning or you're learning. Mm-hmm. So even if face a challenge and you don't quite overcome it you learn lessons and and if you're fortunate you get to face that challenge again and eventually learn the lesson right the second time and 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 tackle it wow yeah that's um you know you kind of uh said something that just got me thinking because I think I was always that way too I never asked why and it just I didn't stop to think oh my God, woe is me. I just wanted to move forward and never look back. Yeah, that just reminded me, whereas I never really knew how to describe it. And when you said that, I was thinking, wow, maybe that's that's really why, you know? (laughs) That's great, that's great. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? 
share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Um, so tell us more about passion for winning. So, of course, <laughs> all of my answers always have a story, right? <laughs> yeah, these <laughs> <stories> are great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so passion for winning. Um, over the years, uh, through my last, um, let's see, oh, there's a gentleman in our area, Matt De La Cruz, who uh, runs Winning Minds Consulting. And I had the good fortune of sitting through some of his leadership classes and goal setting classes. And it always resonated with my own sort of studies and things like that. And um, uh, he also certifies people under his umbrella to be coaches and speakers. Well, because of coming out of the foster system and because of being a lifelong learner in that self-help world and wanting to understand uh, organizational psychology and why people do what they do, I, I've just, I've gravitated to studying that my whole life. Mm -hmm. So coming from the foster care system, I, I should back up and tell you one more story from, from leaving the foster care. Mm -hmm. When I was released from the foster care system, like I said, I was 17 and I quit school, I went to work. And um, at, at that time, a friend of mine invited me to come to an adult after hours enrichment class. And it was about um, the, the journey of success in life. And I almost didn't go, but I'm glad I went. And it was the first time I was ever taught goal setting principles and making a bucket list and aiming for things that you want in life. And um, it, was, it was a game changer for me. And I think it fed into a lot of that epiphany moment later after I had kids and realizing that I can do more and, and I can achieve more if I put my mind to it. So after becoming a lifelong learner of goal setting and and learning how to manage accelerated productivity and for setting higher standards, I realized that there's so many kids out there like me who at 17, you're released, released from the foster home with no place to go, no support system, and no life skill tools like that to tell you or teach you that you control your destiny. You can be whoever you wanna be. You are in control. You are not the same person today that you're gonna be five years from now or 10 years from now, and you get to choose who that person is gonna be. You can be as successful as you wanna be, but who's gonna teach them that? So I combined this, this passion I've always had and this empathy I've always had for that time in my life when I had barely anything to hang on to and how do I give back to that so then fast forward Matt De La Cruz I decided to become a certified uh, coach and speaker under Winning Minds and then use that to give back to the foster community so um, I formed this business uh, LLC called Passion for Winning 
I created a uh, pilot charter that I'm working with Samaritas on. Samaritas is an organization in Michigan, and they are the largest placement of foster children in Michigan, as well as adoption services and transitional young adult services. So they have 14 uh, homes around the state for those 17-year-olds those like I was coming out of foster care with no place to go. So I put together this program under Passion for Winning, and um, it's, it's an eight-week masterclass, and it teaches uh, those all-important life skills about having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, about setting a vision for your life, about effective goal setting, about um, learning... Uh, like the happiness advantage from Sean Aker that like think about the question what comes first being happy or being successful well research you know we would think that well if you become successful then you're happy but actually research has shown that happiness breeds success so teaching those kinds of principles that make a difference another one is gap versus gain another uh, great lesson from Dr. Benjamin Hardy about measure your life backwards and your gains. Don't measure your life by what you don't have. Again, kind of going back to that first lesson from my dad of don't look at what you don't have, look at what you do have because what you have is enough. So getting people, getting these young adults to have a, a belief in themselves that they are not their past and they can create their own future. So that's where my heart is. And that's the the, the basis and genesis of passion for winning. It's this lifelong desire I've had to give back to that foster community. And now I'm finally at a point in my life where um, I can do that. That is amazing. Kudos to you for really putting together a program that you can give back, but really make a difference. Um, so have you started um this eight weeks ma masterclass with a cohort yet, or is it still in the works? So we are, um, we're setting the foundation for it. And the, the reason is we're doing the first pilot with eight students. And uh, so Samaritas is going through the process of choosing the first eight students, and then we'll use feedback from their experience to set the stage going forward. Because the key is that I want this program to be able to scale and uh -huh. to support every young transitional adult coming through that foster care system. So doing this first pilot program, which we're targeting to kick off the end of January, uh -huh. um, and then after that pilot program, we'll put together our lessons learned to then set the stage for uh, a more widespread program that we can offer to every transitional young adult coming through the system. And are you going to do this virtually or in person? And what is the age group of the children? So as the transitional young adults, they're the ones who are coming out of foster care. So typically they're starting at age 17. Okay. So looking at that that pocket of 17 to, to 25 year olds mm -hmm. uh, that's the age group um, some of them many of them are living in these uh, transitional homes around Michigan mm -hmm. so this would be there's two ways we could do it one would be virtual so that anyone from any of the homes can attend mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I envision a day where there's always going to be a remote class going on, and I envision a day where I'll be able to go to these, these homes and actually meet with these young adults in person, 
um, because there's nothing like face to face and being able to give somebody a hug and tell them how awesome they are and tell them that you believe in them and, um, and see their life change. I love that. Yeah. I think there is this in-person element that's critical just from a support standpoint. I think, you know, you could do a hybrid too, where you, you know, start out maybe in person and then some of the things, some of the sessions are done virtual versus in person. So it might be interesting. Right. Now, um, what challenges have you faced and how have you come overcome them? I know you're so resilient, but I, does one or two challenges come to mind where you paused and said, wow, what do I do now? And then you figure it out. You know, I have to be honest with you. The, the hardest one was childcare. So think about mm. this. I was raising six kids mm-hmm. in the, in the throes of, you know, in the, the, all the days of my technical career. So the travel, the long hours, um, having to be in the office and really COVID I think has worked to our benefit in resetting the stage and making mm-hmm. remote work possible so that we have true work-life balance today. That was probably my biggest challenge was trying to create that work-life balance because those were all the years where you were expected to be in an office all day long and, um, and, and with pretty stringent uh, rules around that. So, and, you know, it was not, never easy to leave for lunch, come home, anything like that. It, childcare was the hardest thing in trying to balance um, work and life and being there for the kids while working. Now, and still having a career, right? Because with yes. women, that's one of the biggest challenges, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I would say there was a few years where it did limit my upward acceleration. And it was a, a choice I made mm-hmm. to um, stay in a job where I knew I could have been doing so much more, but I sacrificed to be there for my kids. I'll tell you this too, that uh, the manufacturing company that I was working with uh, while I was working my way up to be the director of IT, there were some years there where um, they needed a custom written application. And I think I spent, I don't know, two or three years writing tens of thousands of lines of code for this custom application. But I convinced them at that time to let me work from home a couple days a week. And that was unheard of at the time. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. did that. But I was coding and um, I didn't need to be in an office to do that. So it was a pretty big deal at that time for the company to let me do that. So I'm very grateful for those years where I got to stay at home about half the time and be able to be there when kids got off the bus or be able to drive them into school in the morning. Um, and, and I think again, because of what we just went through with COVID and we're all in this hybrid work mode now, it's a little bit easier for working moms trying to balance um, raising kids. So true, so true. I think organizations have realized that people can be productive and do a lot more and reduce their stress level, get a better balance for home and work and not have to commute for hours, you know, in a day and still get the work done. So I think they are realizing that that's possible. So COVID did Mm -hmm. have some blessings. (laughs) Yes, they did. Yes, yes, it did. How about some lessons learned or leadership skills um, that you've learned in your career? You know, one of the things that I, I learned over the years is stop, 
think, pause before you react. And, you know, do you have anything that you've, you've learned over the years that you've changed and said, wow, I should have done this a long time, time ago? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, again, I have to go back to raising my kids and the question that you asked me about raising successful children. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that was respect them and expect, have a high level of expectation. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's the same answer. Same thing. Yeah, that's great. That is so true. Have high standards and respect. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that. So have you had any mentors in your career and how did you find them? Tell me a little bit about how you worked with them. Did they help you or did you kind of do this on your own? I wouldn't say that I had mentors in the traditional sense where it was another woman in IT that I would go mm -hmm. to for advice, but I, there was a woman in particular who was very inspiring to me. Her name was Carolyn Lee. She has since passed. Um, so when I left the foster home, one of my dear friends from my original hometown uh, <laughs> I have to set the stage a little bit here. Mm -hmm. So my original hometown was a very white town mm -hmm. and uh, it the, was in, in, in the, in the uh, about, about the mid 70s, the one and only black family moved in and I got to be friends with them. And uh, Belinda and Doug were the two kids, they were my age. And Doug went on to have a career at NASA because he was brilliant. Uh, Belinda went on to be, um, she has her master's, uh, runs her own business. She's, uh, she does um, physical, uh, not just physical therapy. Um, she works, she worked through U of M and had a program for obese patients and, and teaching oh. them how to manage their um, uh, get, get their physical bodies under control. So anyway, she's great in that space. She's an incredible kayaker, just wow. uh, just an incredible woman. Anyway, her parents, Doug and Carolyn, really took me under their wing as their own. And I called them mom and dad, and they were brilliant people as well. Uh, Belinda's dad, Doug, was a uh, uh, mechanical engineer and her mom, Carolyn, had a double major as well. And she was a chemical engineer and wow. she was brilliant. Now think about this. This is a, the only black family in this all white town. And they were so educated and so smart and treated me like one of their own. Mm -hmm. But the story from Carolyn is that she was raised in the South during segregation and uh, she had three or four sisters and a couple of brothers, but the dad was adamant that his daughters would never be maids or cooks, that they mm. were going to go to school and be educated. And they, this family was just so educated. So I was just in awe of this family and the way that they took me under their wing and treated me like their own. And, um, and I called Carolyn mom until the day she died and I treated her like my mom and uh, went to church with her and took care of her. And, and um, she was just really inspiring to me. And the rest of the story is that that woman never did learn how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> A woman after my own heart. <laughs> People ask me what I make and I say, I make reservations. <laughs> Uh, what, one more funny story about that mm -hmm. is that they were a tall family. 
and I'm short. So I'm this short white blonde and here I'm hanging out with this, this tall black family and, and they would take me to their family functions and whatever. And <laughs> Carolyn would introduce me and her daughter to her friends. She would say, this is my daughter, Belinda, who's you know six mm -hmm. inches taller than me. And this is my daughter, Cindy. And people, you know, this is a long time ago, right? And uh, people just kind of like give her a look, like I don't know what you're telling me. <laughs> and and then she she would do like this little sidebar thing and say, you know, Cindy didn't get our genes. She's short. <laughs> <laughs> I love this woman. I don't even know her. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. but she was one I would call when I. Um, when I would, when I was exhausted and trying to balance working or having um, any sort of issues, because she was a mom, she was a career woman, she was intelligent, and so she was my lifeline. Nice. And are you still friends with um, Belinda, uh, Belinda and yeah, her yeah. brother? Yeah, we, I call her my sister, and same thing. We still get those kind of looks when we go places together when we say this, nice. is, I, this is my sister Belinda and people just I love I that I love <laughs> that I really do I mean it just doesn't matter you know your color or who you are it's how you feel how you care it's those things that matter the most you know yeah absolutely that's great all right so in closing, what comments or advice do you have for our listeners? Maybe women thinking about a career in tech, because um, we're very passionate about trying to bring more women in tech because, you know, those numbers keep declining. So what closing comments or advice would you have for our listeners? So a couple of them. One of them, if you are interested in, in a, a career in tech, go for it. Go for it. Women have this empathetic, intuitive side to them that works mm -hmm. in business and technology when it comes to understanding how to marry the two together to solve business challenges. We are uniquely made for that and you will excel. I guarantee you, you will excel. That's number one. The second thing is I would say, believe in others, but more importantly, believe in yourself and that if you have a burning desire in your heart, to accomplish something, pursue it with your whole heart. Don't hold back. That's great. And, you know, women need that confidence always to trust themselves and not second guess themselves. So that's great advice. You know, just go for it and really believe in yourself. So that's great advice. Cindy, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I would love to have you again in the future, but thank you. Thank you. It was an honor. Oh, Jennifer, the honor was all mine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. 
Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.